0: Bible, if you would please, the Old Testament, uh, the Old Old Testament book of Exodus, chapter number thirty-three. Genesis, second book in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus. I'm gonna. I change the message uh, from this morning's message to the one I would have brought this evening, uh, and so it's more of a uh, message to God's children. I pray it'll be helped to you. G- Genesis, uh, Exodus, chapter thirty-three. Would you stand with me, and we'll read together, please. I'll begin reading verse number 12. Please join me in verse number 13, and every other verse until we close at verse number 23. Exodus thirty-three, twelve. 12, the Bible says, And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up, not hence, for when Shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, and I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou mayest spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, "I will make my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy." And he said, "Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live." And the Lord said, "Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass when my glory passeth by." That I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take my, away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. This is a very simple um, message this morning. I want to talk to you about the prayer of a servant of the Lord. The prayer of a servant of the Lord. We have chosen this year as a theme to invest we have broken down that, how we're going to invest. We're going to invest in, in souls this morning as I came to church. Uh, I've never heard about this man. I don't know what. But there was a, a pastor up in Denver, and what a magnificent ministry that pastor has. They reach out uh, with some five or 600 volunteers into homes of uh, drug addicts, uh, sex slave homes, they reach out into the homeless and they show them God's love. When I listened to that man, I don't know anything about him, never heard of him in his life, you could pick up his heartbeat. As he was talking, he was talking about how precious one time went into a, a crack house and, regist- uh, and re- uh, rescued a four four-year-old little girl and how they just a couple days ago went into a, Uh, and very dangerous into a a sex slave uh, environment and got a 21-year-old girl out of there. And I I think about sometimes, sometimes we may think that's not doing the work of God. I think it very much is. But I picked up, I don't know this man. I'd like to, after listening to his testimony a little bit, I'd like to know more about him. And I thought about what we could do as a pastor and the people uh, and those kind of things. But... I want to talk to you about this. We've, we have said this, that our goal for this year as we invest is invest in souls. Uh, and that's what that pastor is doing. But then we said invest in service. Find a place through the local church that you can serve God. Uh, and that's what we want to do through the Love Works program and some of these others. And then invest in stewardship as we give back to God and His sacrifice. I promise you this. And I want you to know as pastor that I don't look at your giving, all right? Because I want you to know if I preach and teach on giving, I don't know if you've given or if you've not given. That's between you and the Lord. But I do want you to know this. I promise you this. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, if we will prove me now, what saith the Lord of uh, of heaven. He wants to prove it, and I promise you this. If you gave $2, $3, $5, $5, $5,000 towards that chairlift, I promise you this. You can't outgive God, and He's going to give back. So invest through souls, invest through service, invest through stewardship, the prayer of a servant of God. I want to look at that this morning. Father, help us this morning. Thank you for faithful people uh, that feel like it's worthwhile to scrape ice off of a windshield and shovel some snow uh, and get on some streets that could be somewhat slick and dangerous to come to your house. And I thank you for first-time visitors and guests. And I pray that they'd feel welcomed in our services this morning. We're not everything uh, that we would be on a regular Sunday. But I'm glad that you brought these folks. And I'm Father, as soon as I pulled up this morning, I thanked you that I was able to come. And I thank you for these folks that are faithful in coming. Help us to hear from your word this morning. I pray we'd be led by your spirit. And I pray for each and every one of us, pastor included, that we'll take that next step in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before Brother Stephen sings, you may be seated. Brother Lou, do you have this card. Introduce our guest this morning. Do you have that? We had some guests slip in here and uh, thank you for coming this morning. We wanted to meet these guests this morning. Israel, I'm going to this last name up Fred Dale. Or, or Biliro, and his, uh, guest Linda. Linda, thank you. Israel and Linda, thank you for coming. All right, take your Bible, Brother Stephen, you come please.
1: I was drifting away on life's pain ahoy and loudly I cried ship ahoy t'was the old ship of Zion the sailing along all aboard her seemed joyous I heard their sweet song and the cap kind ear, ever ready to hear, caught my whale of distress as I cried out in fear. Ship ahoy, ship ahoy, as I cried out in fear, ship ahoy the good captain commanded a boat to be lord and with tender compassion he took me on board and i'm happy today all my sins washed away in the blood of my savior and now I can say Bless the Lord, bless the Lord From my soul I can say Bless the Lord oh soul sinking down Neath sin's merciless wave the strong arm of our captain is mighty to save then trust him today no longer delay board the old ship of zion and shout on your way jesus Jesus saves, shout and sing on your way, Jesus
0: saves. He does, and the Bible says that he saves to the uttermost. Uh, Back in your Bible, if you would, please. Exodus chapter number 33. As we study and read through the word of God... We should understand that the book that we're reading, the chapter that we're reading, the verses that we're reading, how they fit into the canon of Scripture. Moses, in the Old Testament, is a type of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus wishes to deliver each and every one of us from our sins and the penalty of our sins. Moses was the deliverer for God's chosen people Out of bondage, and let me say this to you, sin is bondage. Uh, Sin is bondage. But Jesus Christ came to deliver us from that sin and that bondage. So he, like Moses, uh, delivers God's chosen people from the land of Egypt where they were in slavery into the land of Canaan. Somebody said it this way, follow me with this. And I'm not saying I as pastor or we do faithfully enough. But every pastor has a twofold job concerning the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Number one, we should tell you what it says. Amen. That's my job. Tell you what the Bible says, not what our church believes, not what doctrinally we believe, because doctrinally we should believe what the Bible says. Amen. So my job is to tell you what it says and then to give it meaning. All right? So, what does that mean? T- To you, these passages were written over 2,000 years ago. So as I tell you what it says, then my job is to apply it today. What does that mean for me? And then you have a responsibility. What am I going to do with what I've just been taught? That is your responsibility. And one day we all will stand before God to answer. Nothing, follow me, nothing Reveals more accurately what is in a man's heart than do his prayers. I don't have to know you, but if we could put your prayers up on that screen, and we would, I would know about you based on your prayers. Those who are called to be like Moses, we are called to be ambassadors. We have a need to have some of the Same character traits that Moses had. Meekness should be a part of our character. But to serve God, Moses was a servant. Every time God described Moses, he says, Moses, my what? My servant. And so today we look at the prayers of a servant. I'm going to say this to you. All God has to use to carry out his message are men. And by that I mean men and women. Frail men. Weak men, not infallible men. Your pastor will fail. I pray never morally. I pray I will never have to, or our deacons or our our staff will ever have to stand in front of him and say as a church body, I'm sorry to report to you that our pastor has fallen morally. But I promise you this, because I am a man, simple, frail, fallen, and weak. That describes me, and that describes you. And yet, God chooses to and wants to use us. With all of our imperfections, with all of our weaknesses, there is a gracious God that wants to use us. So it is that Moses asked God to show himself to him in a wonderful way. In Moses' prayer, there are four God-honoring requests. And I would ask you this morning to look into this prayer of Moses and see if those requests are something that you have prayed or do pray to God. God draws human beings into the process of His work and the plans of His work. Aren't you glad that God uses you? Aren't you? Glad? We're, we're not hitting on all cylinders this morning because half of our ministry this morning was shut down. I got the, I don't understand these. Okay, so if you're if you're one of these youngsters that use these, I don't understand them partly because I can't really see them without putting my glasses on, but my son communicates with me with those little emojis. Right? You, are you an emoji person? The little emojis? You are okay, God bless you. I don't understand some of these emojis. Sometimes I'll, I'll tell my wife I say, "What is Josh saying?" And, and he'll say, that's an emoji. He's not happy with you. He's not. And I think about this. And, boy, last night we were on the phone with Brother Stephen and Brother Josh. Hey, guys, be praying about what we're going to do this morning. We're supposed to get uh, slammed with snow. It's going to be bitterly cold. And I promise you this. And pray for Brother Tyrell. Brother Tyrell sick this morning, one of our bus drivers. And, uh, but you think about this. And so last night I'm telling Josh, I said, Josh, no, let me say something to you. We get a bunch of icy, ro- icy uh, patches on the roads. We're not running those vehicles. And I get that emoji. You know that emoji? That emoji. No, not that emoji. This is, this is a, I'm looking at you. I'm not pleased with you emoji. All right. And then this morning, I realized as I started to call some people and realize, and Brother Levi was out at 430 this morning already returning back to the house. Or, and some of you had said, Preacher, the roads are not good. So I made an executive decision. We're not having Sunday school. We're not running buses or vans. That's a big part of who we are. And you think about this, I'm glad, and I'm not bragging on Josh here right now, but maybe you, you're a Sunday school teacher. You're a junior church worker, Brother Tim. And some of you, and you just think, Preacher, I'm missing something this morning. I'm glad I can sit and hear a message, and I'm not in a in a nursery or on a bus or in junior church. But isn't it a great thing to be used of God? God draws human beings into His process of His work and His plans. Look at these four requests that Moses in his prayers asked God for. Look at verse number 13. I want you to go actually back to verse number uh, 1 and 2 of chapter 33. Let me tell you what's going on. Moses has been for the second time on Mount Sinai. Remember that Moses went up to the first time on Sinai, and what did God give him? The Ten Commandments, right? But when Mo- And then God told Moses, I want you to go down because my people have corrupted themselves. And Moses saw the golden calf, the worship of idols going on in the camp of Israel. He saw the nakedness and the dancing and the drunkenness, And Moses got mad, didn't he? And he took those tablets of stone that the Ten Commandments were written upon, the finger of God, and he threw them at him and broke them. Are you following me? When that happened, that's in Exodus. All right? Exodus chapter 12 and on up to chapter 20. Deuteronomy means the second giving of the law. All right? So now Moses is back on Sinai. God's going to re-give him the Ten Commandments. And this time he's going down. Now, knowing that, look at verse 1. The Lord said unto Moses, depart. Depart where? Sinai. Depart, depart Sinai and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, unto thy seed will I give it. This is not the message this morning, but can I say this to you? God will always keep his promises to you. You trust Him to save you, He'll save you. And He said once He saves you, He'll take you one day, take you to His eternal home in heaven. He'll do it. There's no person here that's been saved for any length of time that can stand and accurately say, God broke any of His promises to me. So here God reminds him of His promise. Now watch this. And I will send an angel before thee. This is not God. He's not telling Moses... He's trying to see where Moses' heart is. He said, I'll send an angel with you. Now, listen, I'm okay with an angel, aren't you? Some of you, I've seen you drive. You need an angel. Uh, You need many angels. All right? Now, watch this. I'd be plenty, please. Wouldn't that be pretty cool if you knew and you could see an angel that God sent to go with you? Would you fear? I can promise you this. I'm not going to get spooky on you. I can promise you as I look back, and many of you can too, since you've been saved and you knew an angel of God was with you and delivered you out of great danger. I've told many of you before about my first time in the windy city of Chicago. Brother Andrew, I had a, they paired me up with a guy that got saved out of the bars, and he, when he was in the bars, he loved to fight. And God saved him but he still loved to fight. <laughs> and so he could walk right into danger, and he didn't have any problem. I watched him one time. I, one time we did this in the city of Chicago. He said, and this is how we talked. He's from West Virginia. Mr. Gordon, come with me. We're going to go in here. And he walked into a bar. He jumped up onto the pool table and started telling him about Jesus. I said, Brother Jeff, I'm waiting for you outside. <laughs> I am not going in that bar. Huh? So they pair me up with Brother Jeff and said, I want you to go to Chicago. And this guy was just a nut. He'd been there before. He wasn't scared of anything. And this is in the 70s when we have anybody read Cross and Switchblade. This is during those times. And let me tell you, the gang activity in the city of Chicago was very prevalent. And so he tells me, he said, Mr. Godden, I'm going over here. You go over there and you talk to some of those bus kids over there. And I couldn't get over there. I kid you not. First time I've been in Chicago. Nobody knows me. I don't know anybody. I'm not there to harm anybody. <laughs> and I started into this building, but before I did, I saw some men on hoods of cars and there on the sidewalk. And they had clubs and chains and knives. And they surrounded me. The song came into my heart. Coming home, coming home. <laughs> I really did. I thought, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I need some deliverance. You're going to think I'm kidding you. I am not kidding you. That, that, they to begin to talk to me, and they came closer and closer and closer. Brother Tom, I'd <laughs> get ready. <laughs> I don't know anything. And I didn't know what to do. And out of nowhere, a voice. No, no, he's a Bible man. And they backed off. (laughs) I kid you not. Never been in Chicago. I walked up there. I saw those bus kids, signed them up to get on the bus on Sunday. When we got back in the car to go back to our dorms, I told Jeff, don't you ever do that again. But I said, I am thankful that you spared me. He said, what do you mean spared you? I said, for yelling like that, telling those fellows to back off. I was a Bible man. He said, Brother Gordon, I didn't do that. Who did that? I don't know. Huh? Huh? I'd have been okay if, if like Moses, God said to me, Pastor, I'm going to call you into ministry, and you're going to go through some rough times in life, but I'm going to send an angel to accompany you. And by the way, we have angels. And they are, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, they are ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. Angels accompany us. They do the bidding of God. But watch what Moses says here, and watch what the Lord says to him. I will send, verse 2, an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Now watch this. Now go back over, if you would, to verse 13. On the mountain, Moses, God tells Moses, I want you to leave, I want you to depart, and I'm going to send an angel. Not good enough for Moses. Not good enough. Now, I want to show you this. What did Moses pray for? Verse 13. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. I asked you this this morning as we examine the prayers of one of God's servants. I ask you this this morning. Is it in your heart each and every day of your life to say, God, just today, show me your way? Today, as I get in my car or as I, as I enter into my place of work or business, God, show me your way. Does God have a way for each and every one of us? He has a plan for your life tomorrow, a divine plan. I call these divine appointments somebody God would send across your path tomorrow because he wants to use you just like he used Moses. The guidance, he prayed that the guidance of God might be his. Show me thy way. I want you to look in your Bible, Psalm chapter number 25. I would say to you that this same prayer of Moses and every one of the servants of God has been a prayer of other faithful people in the Bible. David prayed this prayer. Can I just share with you, I told you we're kind of like a Sunday night crowd here tonight, this morning. My wife and I were in Louisiana. We found out that the pastor had fallen immorally. We didn't know what to do. Just a young knuckle-headed couple with a couple kiddos. Lord, what do we do? Didn't have a lot of money in the bank. During, during those times, I want to be able to tell my wife, and I think I did tell Kathy this then, listen, I don't know yet what we're going to do, but I know God does, and I'm going to find out. I remember going to, we lived on the property in a mobile home up on the property, and I would go down to my office, and I'd open the word And every time I'm looking for the will of God in my life, I try to ask God, give me a scripture, give me a text, give me a chapter, give me something. And God gave me Psalm 25. What a wonderful, wonderful psalm. And I would hope that this is your prayer. I can promise you this. That God used this in my life. I want you to look in Psalm 25. Look at verse number four. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in the truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all day. God, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go get that job. I'm gonna walk away from this marriage. I'm going to hook up with this guy in business or this woman in business. And there's a God that loves you, that has a perfect plan for your life. And never one time did you look to heaven and say, Father, show me your path. During those times, I remember the great consolation that God gave me. And as I look back on this, on that chapter, Psalm 25 will always mean something to me more than any other psalm in the book of Psalms. Because God is good for His Word, and God wants to lead you tomorrow, and God wants to guide you tomorrow. He didn't, doesn't just want to save you. He just doesn't want to forgive you of your sins. He wants you to put you on the path of His will. All who have had close dealings with God feel the need to be led by His Spirit. I ask you this this morning. One of the four things we see in Moses' prayer, is there something in your heart that you want God to lead you each and every day of your life? God, Father, please lead me. If that is your prayer, He will lead you, and He will guide you. I want you to look at Philippians chapter number 4, that the guidance of God might be His. We said this to you, that great men in the Bible, Old Testament and New alike, have prayed the same prayer. How would you like to be Apostle Paul? I wrote 16 books of the New Testament, 15 for sure. If you believe that Paul wrote Hebrews, it would be 16. How would you like to be blessed of God like Apostle Paul? And yet Paul found in his life as many languages as he could speak. And he sat underneath at the feet of the greatest teachers of his time. And God's hand was upon Paul. But let me show you the heart of Paul in Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse number 7. Look at what he says. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. This is not the one I'm looking at. This is not the verse. Help me with this. I'm Philippians chapter 4. Brother Stephen, help me. Help me There's the apostle Paul. Said, oh, uh, chapter 3, verse 10. I'm sorry. Look at the Paul. Look, look at his heart. That I may. I'm going to be very delicate with this. Please follow me. That word know is a very special word. In the Old Testament, it speaks like this. And Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bare a son. Men, if you're married, you should know your wife in a way no other man knows your wife. Ladies, if you're married... You should know your husband in a way that no other lady knows your husband. And there's a God. And Paul, so Paul is saying, God, I don't just want you to have a casual relationship with you. I want to know you. I want you to know what is on my heart and in my mind. And, Father, I want, you to know, I want to know what's your plan and your purpose for me. I asked you this this morning. Is that your heart? Do you want to know God in that fashion? Because you can know him. Look what Paul says. Finish those verses that I may know him. Now watch this. And the power of his resurrection... How many of you want the power of God in your life? I do. And the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable into his death. Now watch this. As God draws you closer to himself and you begin to know him. And like the apostle Paul knew him, there's going to come some sufferings. The closer you get to God, the further away from the world you're going to get. And the more disdain the world will look upon you and I as we get closer to God. It's just natural and normal. And then God will ask you to give some things up in your life for him. Now think about this. Go with me in your mind. So Moses is saying to God, I want you to guide me, and I want, you to, I want to know you. Had Moses seen the hand of God at all up to the Sinai? Somebody tell me. What had he already seen? Burning Brother Colin, tell me a miracle Moses already seen before Sinai. Burning bush? Burning bush? That was pretty awesome, wasn't it? Would you ever doubt God again if you saw a bush burning and a voice coming out of the bush and the bush was not consumed? Would you ever doubt God again? Yes, you would. Because I would. I was sharing with some of the men in men's prayer that how God, Brother Bill, has answered some unbelievable, miraculous prayers in my life. And right after he answered those prayers, another challenge came and I doubted God. That's us, we're clay. He saw the, bo- uh, the, the bozing bush, <laughs> the burning bush, all right? What else did he see up until Sinai? Huh? The snake. Threw his rod down, became a snake, and ate the other. That's pretty cool, isn't it? He saw the rod stretched over the Red Sea in the sea part, and Brother Colin brought this out in men's prayer. Don't let an, an agnostic or atheistic teacher tell you it didn't happen. There are buried tread, there are buried uh, uh, chariots and wheels and, and the bones of horses buried in the bottom of the Red Sea. Moses saw that. He saw the frogs and the lice and all the plagues and he saw the hand of God and he saw the finger of God. And yet Moses said, this is not enough. I asked you this this morning in March of 2019. Have you seen enough of God and you want no more? Or you're saying, preacher, I've seen enough of God. I want some more. I want to know Him in a way I've never known Him. I want His, his presence to be known in my life. I can tell you this as your pastor as I stand before this morning. I believe that I know God, but I don't believe I know Him like I want to know Him. Amen. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. We must never stop looking for knowledge in the presence of God to be felt in our lives. I remember this in the hard days of that ministry in Louisiana, Marywood's Baptist Church. I was sent there to serve a pastor, and I did. But I remember being burdened about our church. And I remember one time in a private moment with the pastor. I remember I'm just there to serve him. I went into his office and said, preacher, I'm really kind of concerned. I went in with a burden on my heart about some people in the church, and here's what he said callously. Like, I'll never forget this. He said, Preacher, our Brother Rogers, don't worry about it. He said, The people of Marywood's Baptist Church or spirituals are spiritual as they're ever going to be. I walked out of that office and my heart broke. I thought I'd been sent here to to serve with a pastor. He's okay. The people just remain just like they are. I can tell you this. I love each and every one of you that I know. But my job as a pastor and the job of this ministry is to make us unsatisfied where we are in Christ. And move us beyond that to the next step. I asked you this this morning. Are you as spiritual as you're going to be? Have you drawn some lines in the sand and saying, God, I accepted you as Savior, but I will not do that. Moses said to God, I want to know you. I want you to guide me. Go back to Exodus chapter 33 now, if you would please, we must hurry. Exodus chapter number 33. Every great servant of God felt the same experience that Moses did. Then Moses says in Exodus 33 that I might find grace. I ask you this this morning. Have you found the grace of God in your life? you found it? You know what grace is? Grace is God meeting our need when we don't deserve it. There's two things on the attributes of God that we should understand. Mercy is God withholding His judgment. The soul that sinneth, it shall spiritually die. The mercy of God withholds that judgment. But the grace of God gives us things we don't deserve and, and, and haven't earned. And Moses said that I might find grace in thy sight. Grace is the provision of God to meet the need of man. I don't know what your need is here this morning. Some need to find Christ as Savior for the first time. And I want you to know this this morning. There's a God in heaven that loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. Jesus had done everything he can do to get you to heaven. Amen. The next step is yours. But for those of you that have made that decision, that Jesus Christ is your Savior, you and I need the grace of God. I don't remember where this is. I don't know why. Maybe it's part of old age. Don't say amen. I just find myself getting attached to little young kids and what's going on in our country with kids. We've got political leaders that say it's okay. Deliver a baby and let them put them on a stainless steel tray and let them die. We'll consult the mother. We'll consult the doctor. When that baby's born, the choice is over. Did you read what I read this morning? I was telling my wife coming. I don't know these precious little girls, but a little eight-year-old girl in another state, a little five-year-old girl. We're playing in the backyard, and they're gone. Little 11-year-old girl is gone, and now they found her body. I don't know. I just think that some way, somehow... There's a God that wants to reach out to us in grace, and I'm telling you, I cannot imagine as a mom or a daddy if that would happen to us. I cannot imagine. I told my wife, I I think I know the Lord. I follow the Lord, but I'd have a really hard time if if we found that man that hurt or injured one of my kids. (coughs) Sometimes you need the grace of God. Do you remember this years ago? Do you remember in Ohio? Because we were there when a man went in with a rifle and he killed 27 Amish boys and girls. You Remember that? It was in Millersburg, Ohio, right outside in Worthington, Columbus, where we were living. We watched what those Amish people did. You know what they did? When they found out the killer, they found out who did it. They went over to his wife and said, why don't you come to our house? They loved her. That's the grace of God. One family lost This is a separate accident that happened but in that same community traveling in a buggy and a man that was doing 92 miles an hour in an S10 Chevy pickup hit that buggy, killed all the family but three precious little kids. Those Amish people built a home for those little kiddos, brought a nanny into that home. Those little kiddos had a home. I'll never forget, we can't line up with totally with the doctrine of the Amish people. But they taught us a lesson. We're going to teach you what the grace of God looks like. I can tell you this this morning. Each and every one of us need the grace of God. Everything we have and need to live a godly life and bring honor to Him comes to us by His grace. Here's Moses' second request. Go back to Exodus 33 if you would. Moses' second request that the presence of God might be known. Look in your Bible, he says there, in verse number 15, he said unto me, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up not the hands. Wait a minute, Moses, I told you I'd send an angel. Not good enough, God. I don't want one of your representatives. I want, I want you, God. I want, and I ask you this this morning. I'm not trying to be spiritual. And I'm not trying to, to, to make this any spookier than it has to be. How much do you want, God? Moses said, I'm not, I'm not satisfied with an angel. Can I tell you this? It should scare any of us to ever go any place that we know God has not led us. And I don't care how scary that place is that God has led you to. The providence of God will take care of you. This pastor convicted me coming to church this morning. I don't understand that lifestyle. I never. I ne- grew up around it. I don't understand it. But I know it's kind of dangerous at 1 o'clock in the morning to break into a crack house and get a 4-year-old little girl. I know it's kind of dangerous to go into a sex slave shop and res- rescue a 21-year-old girl. This pastor said something. He said this to this man that was interviewing him. He said this, I don't want to be brazen. And he said, I'm not a Christian Rambo. But he said, I ask God to go with me everywhere I go. John Wesley said this, in the will of God, I'm immortal. So follow that path and that plan of the will of God in your life and mine. Every believer should refuse to go anywhere where he or she cannot say with confidence that God will go with me there. What does the presence of God assure us? It assures us of fellowship and rest. Look at verse number 14 of the same text. And he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. The rest is so real that in Deuteronomy chapter 33, Moses described it as being carried up into the everlasting arms. Child of God, do you have that rest? We sing, leaning, sing it with me, leaning. Leaning, I started it wrong. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Deuteronomy 33. Moses said, God, if you go with me and I feel of your presence, I can rest. I know you're with me. What are the presence of God? What will it do for us? It'll cause us to have fellowship and rest. It'll give us protection and victory. Look at Exodus chapter 14. Go with me back if you would please. Exodus chapter 14. Look at verse number 20. Protection and victory, and it came, to pass. it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. It's talking about the cloud. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. Listen to this. We don't have to fight our battles. He fights for us when we're in his path. It gives us rest. It gives protection and victory. Success and victory for the child of God are promised to accomplish His will and not ours. Here's Moses' third request. That the power of God might be made manifest. He said there in Exodus 33, where it shall be known. I ask you this this morning as we get ready to close this message. I don't know what your prayer to God is. Father, give me. Where does the Father go with me? Father, fill me with your power and your presence. Father, help me to, to know your will. Father, help me to see of your grace and experience your grace. And Moses' final request is this, that the glory of God might be seen. Look at verse number 18, and we'll close for this morning. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Let me tell you what a good church service is. It's not every seat full, although I pray the day, every seat's full. A good church service is when God, we see God show up. I promise you this. I cannot tell you how many times pastor and staff have prayed this week, Father, show up today. Good church service, isn't it? Yeah. Boy, the singing was great. Brother Stephen, I enjoyed that. Huh? Piano playing was great. The fellowship was awesome. But God didn't show up. A good church service is when God shows up. Let me tell you how we know God shows up. When we feel that tug on our heart to move us out of our lethargy, out of our sin, and out of our staying. I'm just, I'm I'm, I'm staying where I'm at. I'm not taking that next step. And God shows up and helps us understand for each and every one of us, this is Pastor included, there is something we can and should do to take that next step to come to God. Moses. That the glory of God might be seen the presence of His character. I will make my goodness pass before thee. In Christ we see the glory of God passing before us. Many times in the Psalms, say it with me if you know these Psalms. Oh, that men would praise Him for what? Many times in the Psalms it says this. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. He wants us to praise Him in the shelter of His hand. I ask you this this morning. We'll close with this. What's your prayer? What's your prayer? Is your prayer, if your prayers were answered this week, would you be any closer to God? How close to God do you want to get? Some of you need the grace of God right now. A relationship in your life is crumbling. Some of you are facing some health difficulties and you need the grace of God. Can you pray like Moses and and expect to see the grace of God? Aren't you glad for a God who meets us where we are and shows us his way? Stand, please, Father, help us.